episode 317 for August 2014. And if you're a fan of this podcast and the various segments that we do, like Message Board Questions or Fight Club or Spider History, uh, please consider supporting us. When the uh, bills add up, the bandwidth bills add up, the more people download, the more bandwidth we have to buy. So please log on to the front page of SpidermanCrawlspace.com. Look on the right-hand side for a button that says Support This Site via PayPal. And you can ensure that more episodes come out in the future and more segments like Message Board Question and Answers are answered. All right, on with the show. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Okay, time for message board questions. First one from our buddy Hornacek. Hornacek, thank you very much for continuing to quote the funny bits from the podcast. You just did a funny one with uh, where he quoted uh, the Valentine's Day episode where I interviewed my wife, and that was kind of funny. So I appreciate that. <laughs> he's, he's from uh, Canada, and his first question is aimed at me. In earlier podcast, you mentioned 24 when it was still on the air. So have you been watching the new season this summer? And if so, what do you think? It's hard to top Jack shooting two unarmed protesters in the leg so he can sneak into an embassy, or him driving through London being chased by a military drone shooting rockets at him. I have not seen the new 24. I have all 11 episodes on my DVR waiting to watch on a marathon. You are missing out, Brad. Am I? Is it a good oh, show? Oh, is it ever? Jack, Jack is back. There, oh, uh, yeah. I love Jack Bauer. Oh, he, he, he. Um, there, uh, there's one point in particular where he really kind of. It, it, I'm serious. It's like you know, you know that they have the top uh, ten uh, Jack Bauer kills. Okay. There's one episode. I won't say which one it is. Okay. That is a good contender to kind of be in one of the top spots. I'm looking. Looking forward to it. I think the last new episode airs this Monday, so I'm yeah. Call 12. But yeah, it's 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 exceeded expectations. I think in my right. in my estimation, it's real. It's it, yep. it's worth seeing. Big fan. I, I uh, started uh, like on season four mm-hmm. after I randomly bought season one on DVD because I heard such good things, and I just yeah. Well, it. the part of the thing was what works about this is because it's only the twelve episodes. Therefore, it's a lot more. I mean, if you thought the regular season of twenty four is fast. Pace. This is really going into high gear and stuff like that. So you're you're gonna next, you'll love it. Next one is a Spider-Man related question. Yeah. <laughs> Jr. Way back in ASM 40, when Norman tells Peter his origin, he says he chose the color green for his costume because it's his favorite color. But his costume was has just as much purple. Has there ever been an in comics explanation as to why Norman chose purple? If not, what's your best guess? Uh, his favorite. Song was uh, "Flying Purple People Eater." <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think it goes, uh, if I had to guess, it goes with the coloring of the 1960s. Hulk with purple and green. Uh, yeah, purple yeah. And green works good. Yeah. On, um, I mean, when you think of the coloring process in those days, you know, first of all, you already had Spider-Man who was red and blue. Um, so you needed colors to contrast with him. You couldn't use any of those colors. For example, green and yellow was already electro. Um, and, you know, muted colors, you know, your grays and browns and blacks didn't look, you know, would not have looked very dynamic. Uh, and, you know, Stan Lee has a famous story about, you know, what happened when he wanted to make the Hulk originally a gray and what happened when the first printing sheets came back from that. Um, so, you know, green and purple, green and purple worked. Uh, and and I like the fact that Norman said his favorite color was green. I mean, Paul Jenkins tried to create, you know, the idea that the a, a quote-unquote green goblin was Norman's boogeyman when he was a child. And it's like, nah, some things you don't need an explanation for. Right. Spectacular Mike, what was the biggest surprise after you first... After your first time on the podcast, based on what you expected their experience would be like. Boy, you're now putting me on the spot here, Horneck, actually. Um, but um, Did you just call him Horneck? Well, <laughs> oh, that looks like how... Hornacek. Hornacek. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, I, now I offended our Canadian members. Horneck. <laughs> you Horneck. That's awful. Yeah, I know. Well, um, well, actually, my... Um, I think probably the big, to me, was the biggest um, surprise is um, just, I mean, because I've actually been on a podcast before, and I think it just, it, it, the format, it was more like it was set up of uh, more of a kind of a news uh, panel discussion type setup. And this one, I feel like, is a little bit more conversational. And this is basically imagine like a group of guys sitting around, you know, shooting the shit about, you know, Spider-Man and stuff. Um, yeah. This one, also the other thing that would, would kind of surprise me is when, because I mean, there's a, it, you know, it's the real difference between how I think I sound and how I actually sound, because I think I kind of sound like a, you know, um, like I, I think I mentioned maybe joke to you guys, I, I kind of feel like when I hear my recorded voice, I sound like Linus Van Pelp in the midst of puberty in a coffee rush. <laughs> Because the way the the way I kind of have That's the tendency funny. to babble and everything and tend to stutter my words a little bit a little bit, but you know it, it kind of tell you it, it shows you how you have to kind of pay a, a little bit attention to try to you know that it's your conversational voice like in your, that you're doing every day is not going to be the same as when you're doing a kind of a recording. So that's main, the main thing. One thing I like to do, the difference I like to do with these shows as opposed to others that I've heard, I like to to have a format sort of as opposed to just a phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there, there is a podcast that I've heard that's just like guys sitting around having a phone call with each other. I, yeah. I tend to like this to be like a broadcast. There's there's a structuredness to it. Yeah, like it's like an actual radio show, essentially. With, exactly. With, group, with groups of people sitting around and they're, you know, talking, right. talk, like that's a conversation. Like yeah. yeah. Mr. Bailey, who will be forced to quit podcasting first year <laughs> Now, either due to money or family issues or old age, you or Brad. <laughs> you know, I, I read this earlier today, and I was just like, "What kind of question is that?" Um, <laughs> I mean, there's going to Bailey near you. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know. I think of quitting every day, and then I think of the fifty reasons not to. So it, it, it's kind of funny. Um, so you're saying you're like Michael Corleone? 
Just when they think they can pull me out, I, they pull me back. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Well, <laughs> the CIA and vampirism. I mean, I don't think you ever really leave. So, mm, yeah. but, <laughs> but you know, in, in all what a lie, what a lie. In, in all honesty, it, it, I could throw the Catholic Church in there too. Or Amway. Amway works too. Amway. Works. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to do Amway so I could become like Cobra Commander. um, That's a joke just for George. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a 50-50 shot, really. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I don't think old age would necessarily stop you unless you're just sick of doing it. I mean, there comes a point where you will run out of things to talk about. However, with the format Brad's got, with this show, I mean, it's it's a timely news show, mm-hmm. basically. You know, we, we talk about the latest issues. We talk about the latest, what can be laughably called news, <laughs> uh, which, which boils down to either hype or, you know, something from like a hype site or, you know, just something like some really weird things like, hey, this dude dressed up as Spider-Man and exposed himself to 15 <laughs> So it it also is based on what I think I can get some good reactions out of you guys. Mm. So yeah. well, that is that is the television broadcaster in you, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, However, I, I think if the bandwidth costs of both of us get too astronomical, yeah. I think we'll both get out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not cheap. No, I mean, uh, it, it's and it's just the time, you know. Yes. And, and yeah. you know, there's a question later on that I'll, that I'll get into that a little further. But I, I think it's a fifty-fifty shot. I mean, I don't, I don't. We could be doing this into our sixties. I mean, the the bottom line is both of us enjoy it. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Yeah. And, and once it becomes a part where we don't enjoy it, I think we're both out. So you know, Brad, remember when I when I briefly flirted with the idea of doing a podcast of my own for uh, Doctor Strange? Yeah. My my plan at the time, and I remember it because I I. I <clears throat> I finally figured I didn't have enough time, but I did write out, you know, because it's good to write a plan and have goals. Mm-hmm. And started off with number one, find a sugar mama, <laughs> <laughs> so she could cover the costs. That's yeah, all, that's I, actually that's actually always a good thing. And and you really, I mean, that that you know, that's the best case scenario because then mm-hmm. all I have to do for that is you know what I do anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. All right, uh, George, question for you. Oh. It's been too long without a Stegron question. So, how would Jurassic Park <laughs> have been different with either Dr. Vincent Stegron running things in the lab or Stegron the Dinosaur Man loose in the park? Also, why is there no Stegron emoticon on the list of Spidey emoticons on the board? I don't think anybody's made one. That's the answer to that question. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's uh, given you one. and I mean, I'm pretty sure if it existed, you would have found it by now. Put it on the choices of emoticons. But Jurassic Park with Stegron, go. You know, I was talking about this with Jeff over at StegronFans.net. There's and, actually uh, a website called StegronFans.net? Seriously? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry to totally ruin your joke there, but... Um, wow. <laughs> Mike to Google right now, but it's favorite. Mike, Mike I'm going to give you some advice in dealing with George. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Google anything he anything says, he says. Uh, before asking him about it. 
he bit so hard into that it went through his jaw. <laughs> I, I, I can tell ice to an Eskimo really good. Wow. <laughs> no, wow. no, but, but if, if, if Tegron, <laughs> according to Jeff, if Tegron had a... <laughs> I'm just laughing how hard he bit on that. My God. He, he was just so stupefied by it, too. He was like, literally, there's fandom for everything that exists now. There, well, you don't, you don't, have you seen the internet and the stuff that uh, happens on, you know... <laughs> I have looked deep in the soul of the internet, and I find it wanting. I mean, they have they have websites dedicated to characters all the time. Hell, that they even have one for the Green Goblin. Jr., you may know what that is. <laughs> you know, so but no, I mean, so, they've got freaking art for everything. So okay, my, so, so my good friend Jeff at StackgroundFans.net was telling me uh, that you know because we got into discussion of this on uh, on uh, Mumble or whatever, and. Um, he uh, he said that uh, if Stegron had run Jurassic Park, that no one would would have made it off alive. Oh. And and I tend to agree with that because it's Stegron. Hornacek, thank you for the good questions. <laughs> there is no Thanks. universe that exists in which Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum beat <laughs> <laughs> Stegron. <laughs> Although I have a contender that actually could potentially beat Stegron, George. Oh wait, let me uh, check. Uh, uh, well, no. to be fair, when you have the Antichrist and the Fly versus Stegron... No, 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 even it's better. It's at least an interesting fight. It's even better. Who? Demosthenes Q. Drake, otherwise known as Draco the Dragon Man. Okay, I, I thought you were uh, serious, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I know, I know. But <laughs> From the Power Records, yes, oh my right. god. The only my very first Spider-Man comic, by the way, that I ever read. I, there were only two people who could, three people, I take that back, who who could have defeated Stegron, <laughs> other than Spider-Man when he when he teams up with, like, Black Panther or Kazar. Um, number one, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay. Number two, Elvis. <laughs> or number three, Hank Williams Sr. All three of those <laughs> men are dead. <laughs> Speaking of, why hasn't Draco become a member of the 616 universe? Brian Michael Bendis hasn't fallen in love with him yet. Because he looks like the lizard, only nine feet tall, and wears yellow Speedos and breathes fire out of his mouth, hands, and feet. And, and, can't, and even memories. despite having wings, can't actually fly, so... I have fond memories of Draco. I do, that too. Pop- I do, too, Brad. I, so. the, I do uh, too. Web Century from England. Brad, have you gotten Ava reading any Spider-Man yet? Yes, Ava likes to read uh, this book at least once a week that I got her when she she was probably one. It was called Spider-Man and Friends, and uh, it's a big hardback book, and it um, it's it basically on the side of it on each page it says find these items hidden in the story, and like uh, Captain America is holding like some ch- checkers, and the lizard is in the library reading a book about. Lizards, uh, Spider Girls in it, etc. It's a very cute. Back when uh, they produced the Spider Man and Friends line, where Spider Girl was his cousin and stuff like that. So yes, she she loves that. She also likes to watch the Ultimate Spider Man cartoon because the the uh, the white no what's the oh, what's the girl um, White Tiger White Tiger is her her name is Ava mm-hmm. so she. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. Bailey, will you be going back and reading the earlier Superior stuff from before you rejoin the show? At some point. I mean, I, I picked up a pretty good run of it pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a matter of finding time and uh, the desire to do so. 
probably find it cheap in trade soon. Uh, George, Doctor Strange questions like a promise. What do you think of the controversial story in Marvel premiere 11 to 14 by Engelhart and Bruner? Okay, uh, does anyone else besides me know what that is? I have no, no. idea what happened. No. Okay, <clears throat> you had a, a wizard from the future named Size Neg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like where this is going already. So. Uh, <laughs> basically, attains ultimate power and sets time in reverse to the creation of Earth. Basically, everything stops going forward and goes in reverse to the creation of the Earth, but then he, he kind of freaks out. A lot of the Engelhart stuff is, is like very surreal and deals mainly with people just freaking out, which makes me think Engelhart was probably freaking out a little bit. Mm. Um, and basically, the, the gist of it is Engelhart's trying to say, this is God. Steisneck basically became God, and this was how the universe started. And in fact, Seisneg says, from here on out, I will be known as Genesis, because Genesis is Seisneg oh, backwards. Oh, uh, okay. It has, been, wow. it has been firmly established since then that uh, Seisneg was not God. Uh, this, is the, this, is the issue, this is the thing where Stan Lee said, no, don't run this, because I'm not gonna, I don't want to piss off these people in the Bible Belt, you know, who actually buy comics. <laughs> this is, you know, the publisher, Stan Lee, behind the scenes was like, no, it's a great story, kid, but don't. No, do not try to set this dude up as God. Right. Uh, and what does God need with the starships? But then, yeah, but then they, they so so Engelhart and Bruner wrote a letter to Stan Lee as a minister talking about how important the story was. Basically, they lied to <laughs> Stan Lee. Oh my God. Oh, wow. And so Stan Lee was like, well, wow. uh, you know, if we got preachers signing off on it, okay, you know, whatever. So they went ahead and did the story. Wow. Because Bruner and Engelhart wrote a, a, a bogus letter to Stan Lee. Um, <laughs> It is. It has since been. It's long since been established that Seisneg was not God. Technically, the Marvel God, as we can, as we think of, as we you know have our, our concept of God, is the one above all. It's the one that the Living Tribunal answers to. The one that Peter talked to, and what was right before one more day. Hmm. Remember who who wrote that? Was that Peter David? No, that wasn't Peter David. No, I um, thought that was. Uh, was that Aguirre Sacasa? Yes, it I was Roberto yeah, Aguirre Sacasa. Okay, there you. That go. guy is actually God. Mm-hmm. He, that guy was actually the one above all, not Seisneg. Right. So, so it is controversial for that. I mean, it's a good story. It's mm-hmm. it's an entertaining story, but uh, but yeah, I think that's what he was he was that's talking crazy. about. Yeah. Uh, another Doctor Strange question appearing more and more prominently in Hickman's New Avengers. Do you have any desire to read Absolutely it? Absolutely not. Um, and and Brad, I, I don't know if I to, if if I mentioned this the last time we were all together, or if it was something that you and I talked about uh, on the satellite thing. Um. The Avengers continuity now is impenetrable. And I'm not the only one who said that. Somebody else, I think it might have been Larry Hama or somebody. I'd I'd agree with it. It's hard Um, to read. He said that there are so many goddamn Avengers titles right now that it's it's literally – it's become the new X-Men. Yeah. I mean – I mean, yeah. I mean, especially when it's yeah. supposedly what's coming down the pike with because they're doing that whole thing with the planet, with the whole thing with the planet's convergence up, and there's people thinking about is this actually setting the stage for some kind of a crisis-style Marvel reboot? Basically, what he's doing with this thing, which has got some people, which of course Marvel's trying to assure that that's not going to be the case, but it's still, it's kind of got people kind of guessing here about you know is that because it's talking about multiple universes clashing literally crashing into each other essentially and so so basically the, now because then you have marvel for decades ragging on dc for doing that mm-hmm. and, then turn, and then turning around and saying okay well we're going to do that and we're going to use it under the same you know apparent setup 
Right. I mean, and also, I mean, although there are some people are thinking that this may be the way they're trying, they're finally deciding to get rid of the Ultimate Universe and maybe bring in some of the Ultimate Universe characters into the six one six. As a result, there's no one left with the exception of Miles. Well, that's what they. That's why <laughs> they no could point. potentially could could be potentially doing this thing because screw uh, that, screw that. The Ultimate Line is is a shadow of what it once. Well, let it. Die. Oh yeah, I agree. It's been it's been it's been dead in the water for years. And it's just but on life support. But the, uh, right but it should have been ended like a long time ago, essentially. If you're a Doctor Strange fan, I recommend New Avengers number one, the annual. Mm-hmm. I actually texted this to George. It's a it's a solo Doctor Strange story. It's very good. It it uh, has some trippy trippy art by the guy who did the Marvel Knights Spider Man miniseries oh, that, that I hated. That, but that the, sells the, it. The, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think trippy art works better with Strange than it does Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind. It depends on the story. And well, the writing was a lot better in this annual than the Marvel Knights Spider-Man. I don't know. It just so. seems like I mean, I told Brad I would read that, but I mean, like I, I, I do kind of keep up with what's going on, or I try to, you know, Rich, keep yeah. up with Doctor Strange. And it just seems like they're stuck in a rut with not knowing what to do with him. So they keep coming back to him being taking over evil powers or, or using black magic and shit like like they don't know anything aside from that to do. Well, so, what about giving him, making him show that he has, like, uh, Kung Fu or something, like they did for a while? That's when he was consistent with the character. The character yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. No, that, yeah, that, I mean, but they try to emphasize that for a while when he was sort of depowered for, like, whatever. He is not a Kung Fu master, but Wong oh, no, yeah. has taught him martial arts. Mm-hmm. We got we got one for Jr. What do you think of Q from the Next Generation? Did you like Q as a concept, as a natural evolution from the God and omnipotent-themed episodes from the original series and the specific Q portrayed by Delancey? Um, well, I, um, I thought the character started off pretty rough, you know, I thought it was your, yeah. your typical smug know-it-all supreme being who is testing humanity, yawn, 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 and that was kind of Gene Roddenberry's motif, you know, I, Harlan Ellison once said about Roddenberry that a typical Gene Roddenberry story is we find God and he's either malevolent, crazy, or a child, and that was pretty well, <laughs> that, well, that was, uh, pretty well how kind of Q was. I, I never saw it as any natural evolution. I just saw it as typical Roddenberry stuff. But then, well, you know, Rod, a couple of things happened. Roddenberry, you know, finally uh, got phased out of Next Generation and died. And John Delancey, I think, infused, uh, I helped make that a far more interesting character. And I, I think a lot of Q's popularity is specifically uh, John Delancey. Uh, he's one of those actors who's watchable in just about anything he does. And um, for Batman including, fan, what's that? Including recently Breaking Bad. He was in Breaking Bad. No, I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Although both my son and uh, wife have been binge-watching that on Netflix. Uh, I've not seen any of that. Yeah. I think about season three, uh, Delancey appears. Mm-hmm. But uh, an interesting, an interesting mm-hmm. thing that Batman fans may like uh, is that Delancey... Um, was a on a soap opera for years uh, called Days of Our Lives, and mm-hmm. he played a bizarre character called Eugene, uh, and which Q wasn't that different from at times. Uh, he was a bad guy uh, who then became a good guy because the character and the actor just registered with people. Well, Eugene met a similarly loopy girl uh, and married her, and this similarly loopy girl... Uh, one day happened to dress up in a clown outfit, and Paul Denny saw it and said, hey, that's what I want for Harley Quinn. And yes, the the actress who played John Delancey's wife, girlfriend and wife on uh, Days of Our Lives was Eileen Sorkin. Oh, whoa. 
JR is bringing it all together, and I remember that JR. Wow. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I was actually I, I had relatives that watched soap opera. Like the women in my family would watch ABC Daytime. So when I was a little kid growing up, I had, I was forced into watching Days of Our Lives while I was playing with my toys. Not Days of Our Lives, but all my children. Now, the old man, when I moved in with my dad, when I went from Fort Worth to Irving, uh, my, dad, my dad was a doctor. He died in 1992, but he was a doctor. Every day, religiously, every work day, he recorded Days of Our Lives. <laughs> every day, he, my dad had a routine. He came home. He with, – with lunch, he would stop and get lunch. He would come home from his office. He would take off his pants. He would lay down in his bed with whatever he brought from lunch for lunch and watch Days of Our Lives. And he, and he could not be interrupted. Wow. And like in the summertime, if I was there and he was there, he would say hello to me when I came in. He would give me lunch, and then he would, he would say goodbye to me when he left, and he would, he would go back to work. And I was – nothing was supposed to happen in the interim. My dad could not be interrupted during his stories. Wow. And then I became the same way in college when uh, me and my buddies started watching uh, ABC Daytime. We became addicted to all my children and uh, and um, one, life, one life to live in freaking general, general hospital. General Hospital, yeah. yeah. The, only, the only soap opera I ever got hooked on was Dallas and Falcon Crest when I was a kid. That was about it. Growing up with four uh, sisters, yeah. I was quite used to the fact that you know they were Days of Our Lives was on, so I – um, sad to say, I probably know more about it than I should, actually. Yeah. So, well, Bailey, ever get hooked on a soap opera? <laughs> um, I remember when I would visit my grandmother. Yeah. Uh, down here where I live right now, she loved General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it was almost a religion. Yeah. And so I would sit there and watch it with her. I never really got into anything. Uh, like on a on a regular basis, I had a roommate that at one point he and I were thinking of uh, becoming comic book writers. He's like, we should watch soap operas because that'll teach us character dynamics. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good luck with that. You have fun. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit over here. Yeah, uh, but he he had a point. I know, I, I know he had a point. I just there didn't are quite some colorful characters on those. On, on That's those funny. Yeah. Do y'all know why they call them soap operas? Anybody? Yep. Because uh, the soap advertisers. Yep. 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 Uh, this next one is uh, a person that Jr. belittled uh, a couple uh, of so ago. That, I know that, that does narrow it down. Let's say yeah, that narrows <laughs> it down, Brad. That doesn't really narrow it down. But Tyson, remember Tyson, Jr. Yes, <laughs> he's still on my list. Uh, Tyson's a good guy. Ty- Tyson says, his question is, now that the podcast consists of members that are all close to or over 40 years old. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> uh, now he's on all of our lists. Uh, uh, just rub it in, why don't you, Tyson? Go, go ahead. Find it is as insulting as me that Marvel consistently writes off the older demographic. Be it the old you've been reading too long excuse when they rehash plots, which could be remedied with new plots because a new plot is too new to old readers as well as new readers. I think we talked about that with Learning to Crawl. Mm-hmm. Or the you're not our target demographic excuse when clearly they're not writing for kids due to all the ma- masked sex and the d- date or the rape debate in Brand New Day, the lizard brain sex and shed and the body slop self pleasuring to someone else's memories and superior. 
I personally find it insulting that our demographic that have been loyal readers for 20 and 30 plus years are basically told to get lost when we air legitimate grievances, grievances about a book that is undeniably written for children, i.e. 30 to 40 year old men, man children. As the writers have all but said they're writing for themselves. JR, that has you all over it. Take Tyson on again. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I tell you what, Tyson, you just don't know when to quit, do you? You know, just dig that grave a little bit deeper. Uh, But actually, uh, to to address his question, um, is that no, I can only speak for myself, obviously. Uh, I am not insulted by Marvel writing off the older demographic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason for that is that <laughs> the reality is I am 50 years old and, <laughs> and will be 51 before the year is out. I can't, Marvel cannot target their product to me. They can't. It's, it would be ridiculous for them to target their product to me. I'm at the, I'm at the, the tail end of the bell curve as far as comic readers. Uh, so, yes, I am, I am too old in a way, and uh, so I'm not insulted by it. But what I am insulted by is their disingenuousness, you know, and, and like, uh, like Tyson brought up, uh, you know, they say that, you know, well, we need to bring younger readers in, and then they write lurid stuff, which, you know, it, it appeals to, you know, you know, perverted 35-year-old men, or what, what, it was, what was it, that artist's name who said that they were, they were writing them to appeal to perverted 45-year-old men? I can't remember his name. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that was a commentary by, that was uh, made um, by, what's his, um, oh gosh, I forgot his, of his name, but he's, I think he was the writer for, uh, um, Bailey, you might know this, uh, Justice League, uh, Justice uh, League, the DC, The New Frontier. Darwin Cook. Darwin was, Cook, yeah. yeah, he was making a commentary yeah, about what that was saying, yeah. and but, also that, and that was also uh, Paul Pope made the kind of a similar. He was saying that that was he he was also told that as well by his bosses when he was working when he was do, trying to pitch a DC. Wait, I think he was trying to pitch a. Uh, I think it was Commandy the uh, the lo- the last boy or something to DC, and they told him that no, where our target graphic is forty five year you know forty five year olds and everything. So that we're not sure that's going to sell you know you know, sell. So, well, I mean that that would be. That, I mean, I think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, that's that, that's the only people who's buying them. I mean, fortunately, mm-hmm. right. to, you know, I mean, so yeah. Really, what I get, I get aggravated with Marvel. I mean, I think I still have the right to criticize a story if it fails as a story. Um, but you know, I, but uh, no, I, I'm I'm not offended that uh, they I'm supposedly not in their target demographic, but I am offended when they you know speak out of both sides of their mouths and say incredibly stupid things. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like that one idiot who said if you were, uh, oh, what was it? If you were against uh, Peter and Mary Jane breaking up, then you were for gay marriage or something like that. He said something <laughs> really stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I that, remember that. Yep. Here, here's the question: What happens if the old demographic lo- leaves Marvel? Well, the all the issue I think with Tyson is bringing up here is that because in a way it's because I mean Marvel's always been trying to trying to figure out how they're they going to get new readers, how they're going to get the you know yeah. replenish those things, and they try to they try to make the arguments as like oh well maybe it has to do with the format, so you try to emphasize digital, or they say that like oh we're trying to compete with movies, television, video games. Or maybe you have to try, or they try to, you know, emphasize more like the, you know, 
more of the kind of what they consider to be more mature um, themes and stuff. The thing is, one maybe they, part of the things, one of the reasons maybe they could look at the idea of why maybe comics are not um, as selling as much as they used to, and aside from uh, distribution, is also the content. Because eventually what makes or breaks something, I think, in my opinion, is always it always has to do with the con- whatever the actual content and the quality of the storytelling and craftsmanship involved. And that's, that's usually the, you know... And in many cases, you're not really getting that in some of, um, in some of the... From either the, um, from either the big two, essentially. I mean, sp- um, I mean, in a large part, there's a reason why, I mean... So like an like a, like another a comic which you like I guess you can say it's sort of independent but like The Walking Dead for example has has become such the big hit that it has been it's because the fact it's taking you know it's because the fact it's touching I mean it's touching on something that is you know it's taking the taking something that is kind of you know treats you know a subject matter which is a the zombie thing zombies because a lot which, of middle aged women like to flick the bean looking at Daryl yeah well, yeah what? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you come from with that? Where? Wow. Yeah, we said, but he stopped because of one of the characters on Walking Dead, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but I mean, that, I mean, because George just hit me with a two by four. Right. What the? <laughs> you obviously haven't watched Walking Dead, have you, Brad? No, I haven't. But, see um, the fandoms that Daryl has on the internet. No, I know Daryl does. But it's wow, the, same, all right. the same group that gets all hot and bothered oh. about Al Seed on uh, on True Blood. They form yeah, these yeah. groups. They're all this. It's like oh, it's the same wow. kind of chicks that get into like the goddamn Twilight stories. And that is why I actually seriously thought that there was actually a Stegron fan site on the internet, George. <laughs> <laughs> because of dissatisfied housewives. Yeah. Oh. All right. All right. Let's, let's, no, let's because there's going. a fan. There's fandom for everything on the internet. Spidey PR, only five posts, so welcome to the board. He's from Washington, D.C. He's a longtime listener. First-time questioner, he says. Two questions for the full panel. Besides the Bill Bixby Hulk, what is your favorite pre-Blade live-action Marvel movie or TV show, um, particular to the Cat movie that ends at the Italian Castle? Mm -hmm. Have any of you seen the unreleased Roger Corman FF movie? I have not. I I have seen clips of it. And, uh, the cap- and yes, so it is cap- as cheap as it actually, you know, it is sounds. It's, well, although, you know what? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, all things being equal, I mean, I've seen it. They had a really good cast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the mm. thing actually, for surprisingly, I mean, even though, yeah, you can kind of tell it's a kind of more rubberized thing. He actually looks better, I think, than the Michael Chiklis version of the Oh, thing. I wouldn't go that far, sir. No, I wouldn't. Oh, well, I don't know. He actually looks more a little bit rocky or something like that. I will say that I, that Rebecca Stab was high, bud. No. That's true. Oh, yeah. Now, I, uh, in terms of the... Okay, go oh, ahead. The, the best pre-live for me, I guess, is the Spider-Man show, I guess. Oh, well, um, I was going to kind of... Because Hulk is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But Well, you're going to think... This might maybe think I'm people are more I'm more nuts than I already am, but um, I have a kind of a fondness for the Japanese Spider-Man show. Mm, that you came are more out. nuts. Yeah, You're nuts. Oh no, <laughs> are you kidding? I mean, I mean, yeah, it's sure it's nothing like you know Spider-Man at all. And I mean, the fact that you know here he is, he's flying around in a in a giant robot mecha beating up giant you know beating up rubberized monsters and stuff. But it's kind of quirky and no, there's no butt quirky. after that. There is no butt after that. There's no butt after that. But come on, a Spider-Man no. going around with his in a, in a giant uh, giant robot named after a leopard. Come on, that's 
It sounds like one. Of, it sounds like one of those new uh, story ideas. And he does kung fu too. He does, he does kung fu in the in the thing a little bit, doing those little, oh, and of course, doing a little spider dance. I think. Granted, yeah, it's granted, spider. It's a little bit. It's the end. Also, the inspiration for Power Rangers. So, you know, take it, that it, as you will. They're considered to be crap, but in all honesty, just you know, in terms of pure, just wanting to see something that's that's kind of, I wouldn't want to call it dumb and enjoyable, but just, you know, for the time period they were released in, the mm-hmm. Doctor Strange pilot wasn't all that bad. It's not mm-hmm. all that bad. It's really not. It's actually it's not, really good. I, I mean, it's like, no, like no. It's, it's, it's pretty solid, but, you know, the two Cap pilots, you know, the, the guy playing Captain America, Red Brown, was, you know, a block of wood. He was like Channing, <laughs> or Channing <laughs> Tatum, but, but, but uh, I watched him recently, and for 1970s like action television, there was some actually cool stuff in there. Yeah, really. I, I mean, yeah, it, it, there's a kind of a silly scene where he tosses the motorcycle up on this ledge. But if I was like, if I was like a little more cognizant at the time, if I was like six or seven years old, and I'm watching a show, and Captain America is riding his motorcycle on on a wall, and he jumps off of it, and he hits a button, and a freaking uh, hang glider pops out. And then he jumps off of that and starts chasing the villain. And it's this huge car motorcycle chase. That's actually kind of cool for 1970s television. Now, here's a question for you guys. Have any of you seen the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie? That uh, is a yeah, great I, action film. It's a it is. Punisher film. But it's, a, but it's actually a really good late 80s action film. It's, oh, yeah. it's not horrible, but I, I remember renting it several times. I even bought the DVD. I have an impression well, got, of that, well, yeah, Brad. It's, yeah. You do? Yeah. I have an impression. You want to hear it? What? I want to I should do this for my friends because um, I had comic book friends back in the '90s who actually saw it, also who rented it from Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and this used to break them up in the day. All right, are you ready for this? All right, All right. yes, hit it. God, why, <laughs> why are the guilty dead? Why are the guilty alive and the innocent dead? Why won't you answer me? Hey, hey, hey George. Oh no! Supposed to meet me here. Four hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Spider PR, other question. I know Brad is partial to the Spider-Man Hulk toilet paper. Anybody else have a Holy Grail Spidey collectible they'd love to get their hands on? I'd love the Stretch Armstrong Spidey. That Ditko letter, because that guy's... I was going to say the Ditko letter. The Ditko letter. I love Amazing Fantasy 15. I don't own it. That's not a Spider-Man collectible. That's uh Yeah, it is. No, no, no. That, that 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 that's not Okay, Stretch Armstrong Spidey first appearance of the character. There's kind of a leaf there. <laughs> yeah. And he's talking okay. like he's, he's talking, talking like, non-comic books yeah, evidently. He's okay. More like an unopened box of Spider-Man cereal. Yeah, ASM 15 is not a collectible so much as Avis College Fund. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would like um, a Secret Wars unboxed uh, black suit Spidey and red suit Spidey. I'd like that. Um, the Hobgoblin Secret Wars figure. I was never able to find that back in the 80s, by the way. The Hobgoblin. The Hobgoblin Secret Wars figure? Yeah, I never was able to find that mm. one. I mean, I've got uh, a lot of really cool stuff that I, that I at the time I thought, oh, this is the Holy Grail, I must buy it right now, absolutely right now, I have to have this right now. Uh, one of them is that Ramita Spider-Man uh, or Spider-Man bust. You know, it looks like it's like actual head size. Mm. Brad, I think yeah. you have it. 
I have. Yeah, yeah I've got um, – that was awesome for me. And also the uh, the Ramita statue that Bowen did, you know, that was based off the Ramita design. Uh, that was another one. I At the time, I was like, if I don't have this, I might die. Yeah. So, no. I, I'd like to get an original – actually, I'm going to try to get one at the Tulsa Comic-Con, a Mark Bagley original drawing, original commission. Uh, I've got uh, Alex Savick doing the Upside Down Kiss when I got from Chicago. I'd like to have Bagley's Upside Down Kiss. Mm. So I think that'd be. You might have to pay him a little more for that, but uh, (laughs) let's see. Uh, We've got Lockdown. Our buddy Ryan. Let's see, Brad. I was catching up some of your Brad's beat. That's my day job. The last couple weeks, and saw that Linda Carter loved your Wonder Woman segment. Here, here's a little background. I interviewed a woman that collects Wonder Woman stuff. She has a big display at the local library. And she mentioned how Linda Carter is her favorite Wonder Woman. It's the only live-action Wonder Woman, by the way. So I went to Linda right Carter's... Now. Yeah, exactly. So I went to Linda Carter's Facebook page, and I said, Hey, Linda, I'm a big fan. I thought you might like to watch this video, this report I did. And Linda Carter liked liked it on Facebook. She she hit like, so I thought that was awesome. Are there any? His other question is: Are there any other celebrities that have seen your stories and had such a positive reaction to them? Um, couple brush with greatness, to quote the old David Letterman skip. Uh, I I did a story uh, about kids and technology uh, this past year, where um, I showed some uh, kids some uh, eight tracks and some records, wow. and walk, Walkman, and, and some floppy disks. And I handed uh, this little girl who was about eight years old, I handed her an album, a record, and it was an Olivia Newton-John album. And I said, do you know what this is? And, they were, and she didn't know what the a record was, but I said, well, you, do you know who Olivia Newton-John is? She goes, oh, yeah, she sang the song Physical and just floored me. Huh. And, I put, and I put that in the story, and my, uh, my boss went to uh, Olivia Newton-John's uh, website and sent her PR folks a link to the story and said, you know, Olivia might like this. And the PR folks wrote back, oh, yeah, Olivia saw it last night, and she loved the story. And I'm like, whoa, Whoa. Olivia. And evidently, uh, the PR people for Olivia Newton-John, they get like a Google alert or something every time a news item is mentioned. uh, With her name, it appears, and they get a heads up. So Olivia Newton-John saw that story. Dude, I had such a thing for her when I was a kid. You don't even know. I mean, I, and I'm think- I had the four alarm hearts for her. And I'm thinking, you know, a great promotion for my segment would be uh, have Olivia Newton-John sing it. Brad's the one that I watch. Anyway, I just thought that would be cute. But uh, another br- brush with celebrity. Uh, all my life, I, I've uh, wanted to, to meet Drew Barrymore because Drew Barrymore and I uh, were born on the same day and the same year, uh, February 22nd, 1975. And it just so happens that uh, when you work at a television station, you get these emails that you can do satellite interviews with these celebrities because they're promoting something, etc. And our, our morning show guy said, hey, Brad, I know you've always wanted to interview Drew Barrymore. She's promoting a new cosmetic line at Walmart. I know jack about cosmetic lines at Walmart, but by God, I'm going to interview Drew Barrymore. So I had a chance to interview her. And I, at, at the end of the interview, I shared with her that we had the same birthday in the same year. And I thought that was – she opened up about that. And she said 22, February 22nd, the number 22 is her lucky number, and it's been my 
unlucky number, so we just kind of bonded on that, and I, that was my brush with celebrity. I remember uh, watching that. I've seen that. Yeah, that did, yeah, yeah, that was that was really a lot of fun. And, and uh, the, the friend of mine that sent me the email, the heads up, uh, who works with Walmart uh, PR, sent me a text message back that Drew Barrymore said I was her favorite interview. Of the day. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> so Linda Carter, Drew Barrymore, and Olivia Newton-John are my brush with. Uh, celebrity. In my now she needs job. to come to Joplin and do an interview in person yeah. and uh, flashy like she did David Letterman. Well, <laughs> hey, I'm game. I'm game. Uh, <laughs> George, your question from Ryan is: uh, As we both are fans of Superior Foes, do you find that having the title saved last minute is going to impact the writing on the book again? Since Nick Spencer said himself that the main storyline dealing with the Superior Foes with Silvermane's head and all the double crossing was planned to end with issue number fifteen, and can the SF? Team deliver a second year story just as engaging as the first. If the latest issue is any indication, uh, yes, emphatically <laughs> yes, they are firing on all cylinders still. That uh, you'd love that book, and I wish it sold better. Oh my gosh, Prayer Your Foes number thirteen, sure. folks. It's it's out now. It just came out this week, but I don't know when when when, the, when you're actually going to listen to this podcast. But go and get it because it's probably still on the stands. It is hysterical, and there's a scene with Abner Jenkins, the original Beetle, while he's shopping for furniture. And the end of that scene is the oh, yes. it made me laugh harder than anything that I have ever read in a comic book ever, including stuff that I read in a Tick, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Wow, so yeah, that's a hell of a recommendation. Yes, pick that up. Only if you want to laugh until your ribs hurt. If you don't like laughing and you hate life, I wouldn't suggest. <laughs> JR, what are your thoughts on Liz Allen becoming a permanent cast member in the new Spidey 2099 series? And do you believe Peter David will be able to salvage what remains of the Liz, Normie, and other members of the Osborne family with Alchemax as the book's main backdrop again? Uh, well, you know, I uh, if there's one writer that I do have faith uh, in doing characters right... Uh, it's Peter David. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not going to be picking up 2099 unless Norman becomes a part of it. Uh, I kind of like the idea, though, of Liz being in it because, one, I, I do like the old Spider-Man character supporting cast to stay in the book. Uh, you know, I, I just I think he's got a great supporting cast, and I just hate it when they disappear or go into exile or whatever. Like, where the hell is Harry? Bring him back from the dead. You know, and, you know, the last time we saw him, he was, uh, you know, doing his Walter White, you know, look yeah. and everything. It's um, and I think Liz, I think Liz ma- makes a good front for Norman. I mean, you know, he's kind of persona non grata now. And, uh, you know, she's an attractive blonde. And I can see, uh, you uh. know, to the to the world, to the world, we perceive her that way. And, uh, I, you know, I think Norman, uh, I think it would be very logical for Norman to use and exploit that uh, uh. while he does his dastardly deeds. So. Uh, I know it had a bunch of variant covers, but good news for the sales of 2099. It sold over 100,000 in the direct market. Has anyone besides me and Brad read that? I haven't read the first issue, no. Uh, I've been meaning to to pick it up. Bailey? You you gave it an A on your review. Yeah. Did you read it? No, not yet. It is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Good, 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 good. Uh, Mike's still a nerd. We've both made our thoughts known on Black Hat's character assassination, Spider-Man, but is there another spider, another well-known Spider-Man character or comic book character in general that was as badly written and took years for any writer to salvage the character to the point where they're enjoyable, enjoyable to read again? Okay, I had to think about a little bit about this question when I read it. Um, and if you think about Spider-Man characters, I would say Betty Brant, but 
then again, we I've having heard previous issues of podcasts that you guys made, that's a little bit too easy. Um, yeah. But in terms of comic book characters in general, um, I was thinking maybe maybe uh, Hal Jordan and uh, the original. Uh, and the thing is, part of that. Hello. Oh, okay. Anyway, you're still here. Okay. I thought I cut out there for a second, but I was as I was going to say, um, the thing about Hal Jordan and stuff like this. I mean, let's kind of be honest for people who have actually read, uh, read Green Lantern fans like Green Lantern or who've been somewhat familiar with him. The other Green Lanterns were more interesting than him. Like Kilowog is more interesting than Hal Jordan. John Stewart is more interesting than Hal Jordan. Uh, Guy Gardner is more interesting. I mean, so DC kind of recognized that, and so they kind of thought in their infinite wisdom, hey, let's make Hal Jordan interesting by turning him into a psychotic supervillain. Basically what happened is that his hometown, uh, this was back during the, um, I guess during the uh, sort of the death and reign of Superman thing, where, days, where I think it was um, Mongol, uh, destroyed Hal Jordan's hometown of Coast City, and this, Hal Jordan asked the Guardians of the Universe, "Can you help repair the, bring the my city back?" And the Guardians told him no, because told him okay, no, okay, because okay, okay, yeah, stop. I knew Bailey was okay. going to. I know Bailey was going <laughs> to. Okay, because I'm just recalling. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I knew Bailey was going to. Okay, Bailey, <laughs> you can refresh me on this. Okay. Um. Well, and this and the cyborg did destroy Coast City. So okay, you got yeah, that right. it was a cyborg. He yeah during the reign of the Superman he yes. used his ring to kind of bring it back mm-hmm. and the Guardian said no sorry yeah, right. you can't do that that's mm-hmm. an abuse he's abuse like f you I'm gonna yeah. do this and I'm coming for you that's and right. it wasn't so much to make him cooler it was to get him off the stage that's right because uh, they were trying to make the way for uh, Kyle Rayner to come in mm-hmm. um, and and that wasn't the first they, they actually solicited another issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Green Lantern number 48 before they decided right. to change everything. So mm-hmm. Yeah, but the point being is that they decided, okay, so he's going to kill, you know, go off on this killing rampage thing, and that the idea is to make way for uh, Kyle Rayner, who, to be honest, was also kind of, was kind of their um, kind of their spider, their Peter Parker analog version of Green Lantern a little bit, but he actually was kind of interesting too, more interesting than Hal Jordan too, and then... All right. Uh, enough green. I, I'm, I'm. I know you're probably lost, but the point. The uh, point well, being is, Spider-Man show. Gre- uh, green, green Lantern is your answer for this, right? Yeah, Green Lantern is basically my answer. <laughs> okay. But it was. It uh, took, let's go. It let's took, move. It basically, <laughs> took. It took basically after after he got green, Hal Jordan got killed off, and then Jeff Johns brought him back and kind of revitalized the okay. whole series. That's basically my main answer. There's here. your answer. Yeah, Mike Bailey. So we now have apparently some big Mayday Parker news coming from the San Diego Comic Con a few weeks. Do you believe that Spider-Girl will make a triumphant return, or do you think Marvel is just jabbing us fans with some hope, and they plan on taking her away again, since having May around will mean a married Peter and Mary Jane? I don't know where he's getting that we're getting Spider-Girl news. I, don't, I haven't seen that. I, I, I also... Okay. Maybe it's because I never read the series, and that I, you know, I didn't follow it, and I wasn't emotionally involved in it, but yeah. I think Spider-Girl got more than one chance... To make it, I mean, it seemed like every six months or so for a while there, there was a save this series, and it lasted a hundred issues, and then lasted at least thirty or so of a second series. 
Yeah. So it's not as if, and then got into a backup somewhere. So it's not as if they uh, they didn't give her a shot. So to to suggest that Marvel is trying to tease the readers and then take her away, you know, if more people bought it, this wouldn't even be an issue. So I I I don't know exactly what he's talking about because I haven't been really paying attention to the rumors on what might be talked about at San Diego Comic-Con. I think it's kind of funny that we're at that point as a culture, that we're talking about what (laughs) might be talked about somewhere. Um, But, but I mean... She's been gone for a few years. I'd like to have her back for at least a mini or something. I mean, go ahead. I got a dog named Mayday, and I'm really happy she's still around. Let me put it to you that way. There you go. I think what I think what he's talking about is remember Brad a few years back San Diego they they threw up a picture of Ben Riley, yes. Or, or they, I'm sorry, they threw up a picture of the hoodie getting burned. And people yeah. just freak the f out. Oh, they're bringing Ben Riley back, and I was like, guys, no, trust me on this. They're not bringing Ben Riley back. I'm sorry. Marvel likes to do this though. They know that there are elements of their fan base who like things. They know that there are fans who are rabid Spider Girl fans. I am one of them. I love that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are fans uh, of Ben Riley, and they know that. And, and those Ben Riley fans are dedicated and have little taste. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I'm joking. But, 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 but what they do. Okay. Is they is they tease that and mm-hmm. so that they get speculation? Oh, they're going to bring them back. They're going to bring them back. No, the answer is always no, 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 no. They're going to bring. They're going to have them come back or be pertinent somehow for a very brief, very very brief window. But they need to make you think that they're going to bring them back so you'll buy stuff. Jolly Jovial Jonas from the Justice League <coughs> Watchtower. Brad says you own almost every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Do you own multiple copies of some issues, i.e., trades, digital reprints? Uh, I've got probably the first 60 issues of Amazing in Masterwork form. I've got a couple trades. I've uh, I've got the whole Clone Saga in trade that was recently released. Um, I have I have the Secret Wars 2 omnibus, which people make fun of because <laughs> I love Secret Wars. Um, I've got multiple s- single issues of stuff. Like when I was a kid, I went to the comic shop and I loved Amazing Spider-Man 300 so much. I bought two copies back in 1988. That was a good move. Uh, <laughs> but I'm never going to sell them, so it's not really that great a move. Uh, I've got a couple issues of Amazing 252. Um, so yeah, I have multiple issues. It's just part of being a collector of one character for so long. You tend to get doubles of stuff. JR, do you ever play any video games? And if so, which ones? You watch your son beat them in minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I played video games uh, when my kids were smaller, when I could beat them. Um, you know. Are we talking PlayStation 2 or what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're talking Atari. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me and my brother playing. Uh, yeah. But, uh, did, you have, no. did you have the Spider-Man Atari game, JR? I yeah, did. I did. Yeah, I did. I did too. I was, was, back was, on the 2600, JR, that was around the time your second marriage failed, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my third, but who's counting? Uh, <laughs> but, what did you used to play, JR? No, I, well, my daughter, I used to play a Super Nintendo. That's what... My daughter and I played, I think, our, the most games on the Super Nintendo. Her favorite was Goof Troop, you know, and she she was Max and I was Goofy, you know, in more ways than one, I guess. Uh, yeah, I you know, walked right into that one, but I knew I would. Um, 
and uh, so yeah, a lot of Super Nintendo. Um, I'm trying to think if we really played with the PlayStation One much, but the thing is, you know, she got too good, and I never really adapted to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a I I have Pong level video playing skills. You know, Did you ever play that PlayStation One Spider Man game? That was good. Oh yeah, I've got I played that one too. So. Uh, I think I might have the. Um, PC version. I mean, yeah, that's what I. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, and the last video games I did play were the PC versions of that and the uh, first Spider-Man movie. Um, yeah. But you know, and Spencer, I mean, crap, I couldn't beat him when he was four years old. Uh, did Spencer, Amazing Spider-Man two, the video game yet? Yeah, he's he's already clobbered it. Yeah. Oh, good lord. Yeah. He, All right. <laughs> but no, so no, I don't. I I, I just am that's no good awesome. at him, really. George, what do you think of War Machine and Falcon being in Avengers two? Uh, I think that uh, that's. Are they going to be in Avengers two? Has that been confirmed? Not that I know of. Yeah, it's rumored they're they're supposedly supposed to be. That would, Avengers that would make sense because here, here's the thing: if they want to keep doing Avengers movies, eventually they're going to have to move away from Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man because those actors are not going to come back and keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they're happy to pick up a check and do them for three or four movies or whatever, but after that, they're gone. Yeah, and in fact, I think uh, Downey's contract only carries him through. Uh, this movie, Avengers three is his Avengers last three one. is his last one. Okay, mm-hmm. so they're eventually going to have to bring in new talent. Luckily for them, unlike Spider Man, there is a much more diverse and, <laughs> and there is much more depth uh, depth to their roster. Um, they, I mean, especially especially women. Uh, you know, I, I remember there was a, a rumor recently that uh, Katie Sackhoff had been talking to the Marvel about taking over a role, and I Captain Marvel. And I immediately thought of Carol, and I was like, you know what? I yeah. I, I like her as an actress. I didn't like Starbuck the character, but I like Katie Sackhoff as an actress. I love her on that show Longmire, mm-hmm. and I was Never like, seen. dude, she would be a kick ass Carol. I need I need for Car- if you're gonna have Carol in a movie, I need for Carol to kick a lot of ass. <laughs> and she would she would pull that off. But at the same time, if they wanted to go in a different direction, if they didn't want to use her because you know and maybe they wanted more diverse or whatever, they could bring in Monica Rambo. I love Monica Rambo. I would jet twice and die yeah. if they were able to put a good Monica Rambo in a movie. So and I tell you what, the Falcon, uh, Anthony Mackie was really a surprise for me in uh, Captain America. He was good. I, was. I liked him because I didn't. I hadn't seen the Hurt Locker, so I didn't really know who this guy was, or, or you know how good he was. Same same thing as Jeremy Renner. Uh, my only exposure to Jeremy Renner before Avengers was his brief appearance in Thor. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so you know, but I, I liked his his Hawkeye, and I'm a big Hawkeye guy, so I should just say something. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but when when um, when I saw Anthony Mackie in the Falcon, he actually made me do something that no one ever has. He made me like the Falcon. I've never liked the Falcon in the comic books because he's always kind of an ass. Mm. <laughs> but his Falcon was completely different than what you see in the comic book, and I mean, he really did. He owned that role. Yeah. He made the so if they want to put both of them in there, because eventually they're going to have to shuffle in other heroes, and I think War Machine and Falcon are fine. Mm-hmm. Spectacular Mike, have you read any of the Peter Parker Sp- Spec Spidey run? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, probably just, um, I think, um, I'm familiar with the Carrion uh, story, or, uh, the original Carrion story. Um, okay. Probably about the, black, the, I guess, what you and uh, George were uh, talking about on, the, uh, on your Fight Club thing with the, spectac- uh, with the, Doc Ock, with the Spider-Man Dizzard's Doc Ock in the train yard. Yeah. That was, yeah. Aw- that was an awesome, awesome story. Um also, I guess you could probably include parts of 
Craven's Last Hunt thing in there, but I mean, okay. I mean, I just, I just more. It's a, a solid, it's a solid B book. Yeah, I mean, I was more, I'm kind of more of a kind of like I have more just a, a, a Amazing Spider-Man kind of thing. I mean, it's. Uh, have you read uh, Death of Gene DeWolf? Ah, uh, yes, I have. That's good. Okay, that, that was that was spec. Yeah. That was spec too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that was good as well. So, yeah. Michael Bailey, have you read Superman 32 with John Romita Jr. art? Uh, yes. Yeah. What did you think of it? I, I didn't order it. That's one of the rare Romita books I didn't order. Uh, it's not his best efforts. I wish we were kind of getting more of what he was doing when he was doing uh, the JMS run of Amazing. Mm. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's that kind of... Lo- maybe it's Klaus Janssen's inks. I don't know. It, it's similar what the previews I saw to his Avengers run. Yeah. I, I wasn't that big a fan of, and I'm a big Romita Jr. fan. I just think there's something missing. I mean, I, I enjoyed the issue, but it, it really felt. And Jeff Johns kind of did a, 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 you know, came, came on to Superman and tried to reestablish a bunch of stuff, and that didn't really end well. So I don't have, mm. I don't have a whole lot of faith, but I'm not going to sit here and say I think it sucks. Yeah, this is. I remember, I, didn't I send you a Facebook message, Bailey, and we're like. Are they about to reboot Spider Superman again or something? Well, it's just basically not so much rebooting him as it's kind of a soft like restart. Yeah. So they so that. they restarted him what three years ago and now they have to do it again? Well, no, 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 still, no. it's still the, doing the same continuity essentially from the from the new Fifty Two thing. It's just, it, it's just it's just taking him back to working at the Daily Planet and having that as his supporting cast and doing stuff like that. So is he still is he still nailing Wonder Woman? Yes, uh, as, unfortunately. As, as far, <laughs> I have actually no problem with that. I think they're handling that very well. So. Yeah, but I kind of think it's a little... I, I just never kind of like the idea of super of superheroes from two different comic book kind of continuities, like, you know, having romantic relationships. I mean, look at Black Panther and Storm, for example. Um, he, he also asked Mr. Bailey what uh, his favorite DC books are right are out right now. Justice League's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh the doomed storyline is as good as it is, and Greg <laughs> Pack on Action Comics has been flat out amazing. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh, see Spider Thirty One from Minnesota, long time listener, first time questioner here. Jr. Since you're the biggest Goblin expert in the world, I like that intro. I was wondering who you think is the be- best writer for Norman Osborn. Um, yeah, we've uh, this uh, subject has been uh, hit up more than once, but uh, since you're new, uh, first-time questioner, I'll go ahead and answer it and instead of uh, shrug it off with arrogant indifference. You get a free one, evidently, Sue Spider. If you ask this again in a couple of years, you're going to get some food. <laughs> you're going to be on my list like Tyson. Uh, no, um, I think uh, m- most recently, uh, Warren Ellis, when Norman was leading the Thunderbolts, and, you know, Brian Michael Bendis went on Dark Avengers. However, m- Brian Michael Bendis also did one of the crappiest, most idiotic things to Norman Osborn by tra- changing him into a flying purple Hulk with un- <laughs> in, in his underwear. Tidy whities yep. yeah, yeah, that was all. God, that. stupid. But no, the Dark Avengers is great, and uh, Ellis's Thunderbolts, I think, are very dead on uh, Norman Osborn takes. So I, I would, I would say those two. 
George, I know you're a really big Guardians of the Galaxy fan. What do you think of the new Rocket Raccoon and Star-Lord ongoing series? I haven't picked them up, and I doubt I will. I really haven't liked the the new direction that they've taken uh, with the Guardians. It just it feels stale. There was a lot of the Guardians' popularity that happened uh, during things like Annihilation, You know, the resurgence that you had from them, was, was the storytelling of Abnett and Lanning. Uh, in the absence of that, it hasn't been as good. And so, I mean, I, I really, really have not liked Bendis's Guardians all that much. It, it just, it, it's fallen completely flat for me. So it hasn't really spurred my interest in reading anything uh, currently. In fact, to be honest with you, I didn't even know until you said this that Rocket Raccoon and Star-Lord had new ongoing series. So that, what does that tell you? Rocket I ordered, Star-Lord I did not. Who's writing Rocket uh, Raccoon? Uh, Scotty Young. He's the also the artist. What else has he written? Uh, he does. He do, I don't know <laughs> what else he's written. He's great cover artist, so I'll tell you that. Brad, you always try to collect everything Spider-Man related. I can understand this mentality. Since I was trying to collect every Spider-Man comic, mostly through Marvel Essentials, but do you sometimes think to yourself, "Man, there's so much stuff. I should get paid for getting all of it." Uh, no, I don't think I should get paid for reading all of it, but yes, I try to read practically everything Marvel puts out Spider-Man related, because I love the character so much, and I like to know what's going on in his world. And reluctantly, there's a lot of crap that gets released with Spider-Man on it. Michael Bailey, when you start getting into spider when when you started getting into Spider-Man, did that spur you into checking out other characters in Marvel? Or were you mostly into DC characters even after getting into Spider-Man? Uh, I've, I've liked Marvel characters before. I really started kind of getting into Spider-Man. Captain America and Hulk are my favorites. So it didn't really, you know, it's not like Spider-Man was a gateway drug. Uh, <laughs> like the X-Men were to our generation. Um, yeah. But, you know... Yeah, I'm still mostly into DC characters, uh, but that's just because that's kind of my home. But uh, no, I mean, I, I liked Marvel before I got into Spider-Man in any kind of meaningful way, and I, you know, like those characters even afterwards. So Spectacular, Mike. Before I ask this question, i got to say your front page reviews are awesome to read. Thank that's you. That's nice. They're filled with a lot of insight, and it's easy to tell you have a lot of love for the Web Slinger. Mm -hmm. Now to the question, who is your favorite Spider-Man villain and why? Well, first of all, thank you, C uh, Spider-31, for the uh, plug. And um, also for the Spider favorite Spider-Man villain, um, I would have to say Dr. Octopus. And I'm not just saying that because of, um, of Superior Spider-Man or anything like that, because, you know, I have issues with that. But I think with, um, with Dr. Octopus, I think the reason why is... More than any other of uh, Spider-Man's rogues gallery, he is the yin to Spider-Man's yang, if you will. Um, he is essentially, I mean, he is, of course, you can look at it like superficially, he's a scientist, uh, sort of similar to Peter. He's also, you know, kind of has the, you know, he's also, he takes his name, Noam the Plume, from an uh, eight appendage creature and everything like this. He has a very distinctive look in terms of that, because if you see... Uh, Doctor Doc Ock in silhouette, you know instantly who it is because with those ten with the tentacles and everything and stuff like you can easily easily identify him. Also, in terms of in terms of like his um, motivation and stuff like this, I mean, if you look at a lot of uh, Spider-Man villains, um, you look at say like the Green Goblins, it's all about maybe I'm sure Jr. has a better handle on this, but it's all mostly about the family legacy. 
Um, you look at, say, something like Craven the Hunter. It's more about, oh, I'm, it's, a, the game, it's the most dangerous game motif. Or most of the other, uh, you look at Venom, it's all about revenge. But with Dr. Octopus, it's more about, he's just trying to prove, it's all about trying to prove how smart he is because he can. And for, because of that, you can get into all kinds of different wild, crazy schemes with, with him as a villain. You can do stuff like him you know, stealing radioactive isotopes and everything just before the sake of science. You can have him do, try to marry Aunt May in order to get a nuclear power plant. You can have something with he, like that one weird Sinister Six story where he tries to weed the world off of coke. Cane or something. I can't remember what that what that was. Or tries to burn the world or something. To, you know, with his uh, with these giant parabolic mirrors. And the other thing is too, the fights between Spider-Man and Doc Ock are legendary. I mean, there's just visually the fact that he can, you know, you know, you can see him like going up walls, going after Spider-Man. You can see the fact that he's, you know tangling Spider-Man in, the, in, in his own um, arms and everything, and each of those arms are about literally you know, as strong, if not stronger than Spider-Man himself. And just, I mean, and the fact that the, the, the idea of this guy who is essentially looks like a couch potato, wearing these goggles and everything, and just kind of sits there and then the, all, the arms just basically do this stuff and, and do all the work and literally take on guys like um, you know, as, you know, on the Hulk level Abilities. I mean, it's just always, to me, he was always just kind of a visually, you know, and he just always kind of drew, I've always kind of been drawn to him, and I always kind of thought that he felt more so than the Green Goblin was Spider-Man's genuine arch nemesis, so. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the whole gang, are you picking up 2099? We already kind of discussed that. Uh, also, if uh, Dan Slott leaves the main title, who do you want to take over as a writer? Personally, I'd like Chris Yost to have a shot. Yeah, I can my, do that. My, my vote would be either Brian Michael Bendis or Ed Brubaker. Well, I think technically Christos Gage is kind of writing the title. I guess you could kind of. <laughs> a little bit. Anybody else uh, who you'd like to see replace Slot? Anyone? Bueller? All right. Sure. Uh, Adam S. <laughs> from San Diego, California. Uh, this question may have already been asked at some point, but I figured I'd ask anyway. What do you guys think is the main theme of Spider-Man? Responsibility, youth, bolt, or something else? Hmm. About guilt. It's, re- it's responsibility. It's never been youth, uh, contrary to what a lot of people at Marvel think. And yeah. when they misunderstand the character, they don't they don't get that. They miss that part of it. It's always been responsibility. It always should be. Well, I, I mean, you, I mean, in a sense, with the youth argument, I can kind of understand it, but no, the youth has to be well. The youth has to be supported by the responsibility. You can't, if you, in other words, you can do a Spider-Man story uh, with responsibility, with responsibility and youth, but you can't do a uh, can't do a Spider-Man story that's about youth without it. Without the, responsibility, the, the, the greatest moment uh, of what Spider-Man learned was with great power comes great responsibility. Not, hey, don't get old. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cause, so, cause, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's fire. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, I mean, Spider-Man, of course, is about um, is more about is somebody who is about is somebody who is learning to grow up and be an adult. And then, and the thing is, part of the Marvel's problem has been they've been so focusing on um, trying to make him be like the same character he was in high school, even though he's like what 28 years old now, and as a result of that. You get what was so famously put on this podcast, the uh, creepy, stupid loser. You get um, Peter Parker, the spectacular man-child. You get Spider-Man, brand new day, basically, yeah. if, you do the, if, you, if you concentrate too much on that. 
Spidey Dude, our buddy from Texas. Uh, Alrighty, Douglas, what price point would you collect action figures again? Uh, I've I've said it before. Twenty bucks for a Marvel Legend figure is out of my price range. I think it's absolutely too expensive. Uh, and in order to collect a set to build a figure, how, you got to have six figures. Six times twenty, hundred twenty dollars. That is ex- too damn expensive. Mm-hmm. I think an action figure shouldn't be more than ten bucks. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I agree. Yeah, <laughs> with myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I agree uh, with that. Yeah. I do too. Barrowman, what other editors in chief outside Shooter would you like to see? What does that mean? In other words, uh, another editor besides, uh, like, almost. Um, I, you know, but yeah, because I've said before. Other side from Shooter. Like, shooter was my favorite. Uh, shooter was my, my favorite editor next to, next to the days when Stan was editor. Mm-hmm. Um, not currently, no. I mean, there's. Currently at Marvel, absolutely no one. I, uh, uh, I don't trust anyone currently at Marvel to, to really be a good steward of the characters. Um, outside of Marvel, uh, I would, I, you know what, I'd, I'd bring Tom DeFalco back. Hmm. JR, thanks to you, I bought 153 of Amazing Spider-Man. What other hidden gems would you recommend? <laughs> well, Spidey Dude, it's always good to hear from you again. Um, you know, I don't know. I really thought about that question. Um, and I'm trying to think of, like, because that was on my top ten list, and I, I think probably maybe that was m- the most obscure one uh, on the top ten list. But th- it wasn't obscure at the time. I mean, it was very well received at the time. And uh, I remember uh, when I read it, it just had a you know profound effect. Um, pr- it probably wouldn't now because, you know, I'm an old man. But, uh, it, but no, to be honest, I really thought about it, and I, I couldn't come up with one. I couldn't come up with one. That was the issue that was released the day I was, or the month I was born, February of 1975. Well, there we go. It was some strange kind of karmic reaction in the universe. I can tell you, I can tell you which, which which issues of amazing to avoid, and that's uh, for Spike to do, and that's 394 to about 418. <laughs> Uh, Michael Bailey, how do you do it? I have three shows on Spidey Dash Dude, and I'm having trouble managing it all. Thoughts? Uh, do you see how late my stuff is? I mean, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate Mike, uh, you've enjoyed learning to crawl. Is superior? Is it superior to Untold Tales of Spidey? Um, I wouldn't no. so much say... I would I wouldn't use the word superior. I mean, I think it's just because it's just a different it's just a different slightly different animal. So I think, yeah, even though they're taking bit place during Spider-Man's high school early years, Untold Tales of Spidey is was more or less a, it's almost like you have to think of it as sort of an imaginary uh B title essentially. That like imagine if this thing was being published alongside Amazing Spider-Man. As, you know, because they're all kind of, you know, like it's almost like you have to look at it as sort of at a sort of similar vein as Spectacular Spider-Man or Web of Spider-Man. Um, zip, learning, zip. Oh, go ahead. Learn, we got to go. We got to plow. Oh, I know. I was just saying, learning the crawl is it's just more like it's more like a mini-series kind of thing that's supposed to, like like we were discussing in a review, more like kind of superfluous supplementary material. But you know. zip line location purgatory. That poor bastard. To Brad, uh, did Spider-Man 2099 ever have knowledge of Mary Jane and Peter's marriage? And how does One More Day affect him as a character with history cubes and first-hand knowledge of Spider-Man and Peter Parker in his future timeline? Cause comics. Uh, I have no idea. I don't. Uh, do you guys remember that that uh, Spider-Man meets 2099 Peter David one shot? Did he mention Mary Jane at all? Yeah, yeah he woke Jane. up in Mary Jane's bed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's been a long time since I read it. Yeah. Who 
knows? Who knows? Ta- Mephisto wiped all the timelines out. Yep. <laughs> to any video games fans, could you please explain what would Spider-Man games have to do to reach the status of the Batman Arkham games? Please note, I'm not referring to Arkham Origins in this question. Do the games have to take place in the movieverse, or should it be Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions 2? Thoughts? Uh, I, I think Shattered Dimensions is the best Spider-Man game mm-hmm. released. Mainly because they avoided the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the the big part that we're missing here is yeah. he's like, you know, he's talking about to reach the status of the Batman Arkham games. Batman is so, is so popular mm-hmm. because Batman had a strong, strong cartoon series mm-hmm. that got people outside of comics interested in Batman. And that's all thanks to Paul Dini and Bruce Timm. Spider-Man does not have that. Right. I mean, Batman uh, has consistently had a strong uh, yeah. team of writers, like, con- consistently over the years. Like, and there are it, people who buy the Batman game just because it's got freaking Harley Quinn in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, Spider-Man doesn't have a Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever read Marvel Universe vs. The Punisher since it stars Spider-Man and Mary Jane as some of the main characters? I read it, and it's very good. There's uh, multiple ones. There's Marvel Universe vs. Punisher and Wolverine. Uh, basically, it's like, what if the Marvel Universe turned into zombies and the Punisher was the last one left to take them out? Mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought it was very good. And Spider-Man and Mary Jane are... Mary Jane becomes pregnant or something in that series, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go go check it out as trade. You can probably get it real cheap. George, is there a chance Spider Verse will explain how Peter Parker lost his other powers and his or- organic web? Shows? No, there's a hundred percent chance all it's going to do is waste your money. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's about a negative fifteen percent chance that they'll ever address that. Jr. and Spider Verse, how do you imagine any conversation between Mayday Parker and her father from the six one six continuity? I'm not really sure I understand the question, to be honest. I mean, Peter... Will they have a conversation? Or will they meet? What, what, in I other guess. words, the, the Peter Parker from the 616 meeting uh, Mayday. We've already had that. Did we? Well, no, we had... We, yeah, no, no, back, no, we had... Back in a series? Yeah. No, like well, the, yeah, but the current... She went, like back a, in t- she went back in time. Right. And, uh, and met him when he was a teenager. But uh, there's been no no conversation. I, uh, you know, did, her, did, did she take her mask off in that? Uh, I don't remember. And her, I think he's mainly he's he's concentrating on how Peter Parker is currently in the current comic books. Yeah, I think that's where he's getting at. Okay, I'd love to see that conversation. She met yeah. Aunt May. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. no, she went back in time. She got that like that the spiral or whatever. He accidentally sent her back in time. And uh, liked her around Amazing Spider-Man number 25. And she met Mary Jane. And she met, um, and if she actually talked to Mary Jane, she actually talked to Aunt May. And she saw Peter. Uh, and then... Did she, did she reveal who she was? Well, no, but at the end, yeah. when she jumped back into the time portal, because Spyro had to go get her because of, you know, it destabilized the time thingy or whatever. When she leaped back, <laughs> when she leaped, when she leaped back into the portal, she said something like, nice to meet you, Dad, or, you know, something oh, like that. Okay. And Spider-Man goes, did she just call me Dad? Um, so I, I guess you're asking if 616 met... The other universe, May Parker, who exists. Uh, first of all, I guess he'd shit his britches. You know, oh my God, I'm <laughs> You know, um, 
have Maury Povich come in and say, you are the exactly, father. Yeah. Exactly. No, you're not my daughter. You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. You know, they'd have all that shit. And then, Your daddy's a clone. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, I, I think then he would probably say, are you blank and crazy, you know, for doing this? Um, because every parent um, realizes that, you know, even though Peter himself did it, you know, uh, every parent gets to a point where they realize that they survived their own stupidity only by luck, not be- <laughs> not because they weren't, not because they were smart, you know. Yeah. And like, for example, I've I've run, you know, when my daughter started driving, um, you know, it was like, oh my God, what's she going to do? But it, you know, it's like because I realized how bad of a driver I've been over the years, and I don't even want to start getting on alcohol. You know, uh, but I think Peter would realize then that he couldn't tell her what to do, that the only way she could fulfill her destiny was to do what she felt was right by her. And I think that's something every parent has to realize. I I like, Uh, like, you know, Brad, I just I like to think that that Peter would tell Mayday, I'm sorry that a bunch of middle aged men wouldn't let me be your father because they needed to live vicariously through me having sex with different women. (laughs) Big Al from Edgeware. Uh, <laughs> to everyone, Dan Slot versus Tom DeFalco. Who's the superior Spider Scribe? Personally, I got to go with DeFalco. DeFalco not only knows more about Spider Man than Dan Slot, he has probably forgotten more than, than Dan Slot <laughs> knows about Spider Man. Uh, all right, Jr. Did you read the Otto Norman team up and Superior Spider Man team up? And if so, what'd you think of it? Well, yes, I did, and I didn't have a chance to read it again. Um, I, I read it when I was still in Boston when I was just picking it up. Uh, I really didn't care for it. I mean, I I, I really didn't care for it. Uh, for some strange reason, it tried to portray Doctor Octopus as a completely sane person, and Norman is the crazy one. And mm. you know, where Norman obviously is crazy, but so is Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're all mentally unhinged, uh, and the fact that they could, you know, I, those two couldn't get along. I mean, they've got two of the biggest egos in the room, and uh, I mean, I did like I did like the characterization where you could be having a conversation with Norman, and then he would just suddenly flip into crazy mode, because I think that's how crazy people are, you know. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, that, and that's how a Norman Osborn gets by, you know. I mean, he acts normal, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's a, he's psychotic. Um, but uh, no, I, I didn't care for it. Uh, Octo Goblin, that was stupid. You know, and, uh, and, and I like and there's and there's and there's no reason that Doctor Octopus should be able to incapacitate Norman. You know, I mean, he's they're beating on his chest or whatever. No, no, shouldn't mm-hmm. have. And I won't even get into Norman giving his girlfriend AIDS. Oh now, yeah, that was. Yeah, Brad, well, Brad and Michael Bailey. Is there any chance we could get Bailey to do a synopsis and review of the Superman Spider-Man Treasury team-ups in a similar style to how you guys do regular reviews or Jr. does Spider History? I guess. Sure. Do you, I mean, I'd, do you want to I, to Bailey? I, yeah. I, I'd be willing to talk about those again. Okay. Sounds fun. Still a nerd. What are your favorite 616 Spider-Man stories of all time? Well, uh, there's probably, let's see, just, I'm probably going to miss a couple here. So, uh, If This Be My Destiny, which is the Master Planner saga, um, you've got The Night Gwen Stacy Died, although I do agree that that should have been the three-parter. Uh, Nothing Stops the Juggernaut, uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Um, I liked Wince Comes the Commuter. That was actually an, oh, yeah. that was in a very, very funny story. Um, I actually have a fondness for the uh, capture by J. Jonah Jameson, the one where he, where the first time you see the Spider Slayer, where the first one, where he's just a, that, that just basically the madcap chase thing. Um, 
I also, um, let's see, what was it? Um, in terms of some of the newer ones, I actually did like um, the uh, uh, the unscheduled stop by Mark Wade and um, and Marcos Martin, and I also like the uh, Joe Kelly. James Senior. Yeah, I also like the Joe Kelly Rhino stories. Those were, I mean, those were really good. I mean, those are the, probably the more recent ones. I mean, those are, you know, but um, I'm probably, I'm probably, like I said, I'm probably missing a few that I'll probably won't come that will come to me itself later. But you know, George, I've heard you talk about the time Spider-Man has trumped the X-Men before. But apart from Secret Wars and the Falco's run, what other issues have this happened in? Because I'd like to check them out. Uh, X-Men 35. Uh, yeah, he kicks their asses in their own book. <laughs> <laughs> Brad and I briefly talked about that on I think yeah. most recently on the recent fight night. Yeah. And um um also Marvel Team Up number four, which I know JR's probably a huge fan of. Um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> No, and Marvel Team Up number four, um it's it's really it's really more of a draw. Um basically he kicks the shit out of them, he beats their ass until uh until Jean Grey stops him, something that she couldn't do in uh the the <laughs> Most recent. Oh, which one was it, Brad? The one that we just reviewed on Fight Night. I, uh, 282. Yeah, 282. And yeah. um, so those are really good issues, uh, really good examples. I, I mean, now, clearly the better ones are, are, are Secret Wars, um, or the best one is three. Secret Wars number three, when, you know, another JR favorite, uh, where he just, <laughs> where he completely schools them and makes them, as, the, as yeah. they say in their own words, look like amateurs. So so if you want to see Spidey beat X-Ass, those are, those are two other two. There you go. JR, what do you think of the Len Wein run when you were first reading it? What do you think about it in hindsight? Uh, you know, uh, when I first read it, uh, I um, it was okay. Um, I thought I, I wasn't overly impressed by it. Um, you know, I was much more of a fan of the Marv Wolfman run, which succeeded, which uh, succeeded him. Um, and I thought so he dragged out some stuff too long. But uh, of course, then again, that's nothing compared to what stuff is dragged out now. But looking back, I'm, I'm surprised that a lot uh, a lot of things happened. Uh, a lot of characters were introduced, and uh, so I, I look upon it a little bit more favorably uh, than I did when I was reading through it the first time. But I, I still wouldn't call it one of my favorites. What What are the issue numbers of Len Wayne? One fifty one to one eighty. Oh, okay. Do you do, you do you think that uh, that gets overlooked a lot, Jr. The Marv, not the Len Wayne stuff, but the Marv Wolfman stuff? Well, I I don't know. I mean, because you know he created the Black Cat, which is an enduring character. Um, and, uh, he did the, the final story with the burglar. Um, it, it may be, I mean, people talk about Roger Stern, Roger Stern, Roger Stern, you know, and I think, yeah, probably that overshadows Wolfman's run because Wolfman's run was so short because he uh, bailed out, I think, because he had a disagreement with Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter was bringing the editor writer thing to an end and, you know, so Wolfman left. So it, it. it yeah, it probably is a little overlooked, but, uh, yeah. Uh, we have the final question from the looter, very first post. <laughs> have uh, the whole panel? Have you any of you read the one shot, the megalomaniacal Spider-Man by Peter Baggy? If so, what'd you think of it? I bought it, read it, do not remember a bit of it. Is that the one where Uncle Ben dies because he was a chronic gambler, and then yes. Peter Parker becomes a thief? No, I never read it. <laughs> and 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 just to uh, to correct the uh, person who actually speaks on TV for a living, it's megalomaniacal. Yeah, yeah. You hey, broke man. up, Jr. What the? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Isn't that the one where Spider-Man's on a with a typewriter? He's got his head yeah, laid down. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a one shot. I got no memory of it. What is it? Just like a parody comic? Or what was it? I think it's supposed to be. Yeah. It it is. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's is kind of fun. It's a little, you know, you know, I don't know, creepy. But basically, it's almost <laughs> like what if Spider-Man was Steve Ditko? Uh, basically, yeah, he finds well, he finds out that Uncle Ben was a gambler. And, you know, basically, Peter just gives up. He said, I'm not going to, you know, he's fighting with Dr. Octopus. He says, I'm not going to do this shit anymore. I quit. And Dr. Octopus falls on his knees and stops crying, saying, no, don't quit. What will I do? And then Spider-Man, you know, becomes a corporate, Peter becomes a corporate magnate. And and where the Steve Ditko thing comes in is like, you know, one, uh, you know, he says, I hate the United Nations. You know, it's like, where does that come from? And at the very end, you know, he's giving away all his money and he's, living in an apartment screwing Gwen Stacy so <laughs> <laughs> on that note uh, 